Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. And there's a ton going on in the NBA. Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are angling to get on new teams. And the NBA is cramming an entire All-Star weekend into one thrilling quarantine night. But we start in Los Angeles, where Anthony Davis will be reevaluated in two to three weeks after suffering a calf strain Sunday He's unlikely to return to the lineup prior to that all-star break. The Lakers are taking a cautious approach after the word Achilles was thrown around a few times over the last couple of days. David, what does this mean for a Lakers team that had been rolling and has been mostly healthy dating back to their finals run in the bubble? I don't really think it means all that much. It's Look, they're second in the Western Conference right now. They're right behind the Utah Jazz. They've got some tough opponents over the next couple of weeks right before the all-star break. Uh, the Nets come into town in a couple days. The Heat are going to be playing there. Jazz, that's a big matchup. Portland, et cetera. Golden State, even at the end of the month. So these are great opportunities for the Lakers to kind of establish their stranglehold in the Western Conference or to at least show that they can still compete missing one of the top five players in the NBA. And so I think it gives other players an opportunity to kind of just get some more minutes, see how they can fit in. And ultimately, you're carried by LeBron. I mean – that's that's the reality of this Lakers team that you can lose a player as good as Anthony Davis, and I don't think you're going to lose much steam. I, I think you're going to be able to do just enough. You'll have a couple setbacks along the way, but ultimately it doesn't really mean anything because you're gearing up towards the All Star break so that you can get him back healthy. That cautious approach that you mentioned that's a, such a smart move considering what this team's ultimate goal is, which is a repeat of last year's NBA Finals, another championship. And so when you look at what the regular season entails for them. I don't, know, I don't know that it really matters all that much to this team. I think you want to continue to build good habits consistently throughout the course of the season and, and incorporate the new players that you add or whatever new players you're able to add at the trade deadline or, or via buyout candidate or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But you're still trying to build up towards the finals. And as long as Davis is healthy after the All-Star break, this team should be in fine shape. I think my biggest concern is what you were just talking about. LeBron James sort of carries this team, but he's 36 years old. I understand he's LeBron, but he's leading this team in minutes. He hasn't really, he hasn't taken a night off, and he seems so gung-ho about trying to gun for this MVP award that, you know, one more injury to him, and we're only a couple years removed where he suffered the groin injury on Christmas, right? Like, it can happen yeah. to him. And if that happens now... Uh, then then we're talking about some real serious issues with the Lakers. And so I think that they're doing the right thing and taking the cautious approach with Anthony Davis, especially when that word Achilles is thrown around. My fr- and, and LeBron came out and said his first thought was just about Anthony Davis's health and all those things, and maybe that's true, but his second thought was, re- was probably not far behind. It was probably like, man, I finally get the teammate where I'm able to, to sort of dominate and get the guy who can help me extend my prime at this point. After right. years of sort of uh, thinking I had the super team in Cleveland for the Warriors to just kind of one-up me and get Kevin Durant, right? He thought he was finally like the big dog on campus with this, with this teammate, and then he sees him go down. So for the Lakers, I would be starting to consider, you know what? Maybe let's not worry so much about this regular season record. Let's, let's, let's aim for the playoffs. It was, it was nice. We got out to a quick start. We built a little bit of a cushion. 
We're, yes. we're, we're in a strong playoff position. Let's start to scale back LeBron's minutes now because he shouldn't be playing 38 minutes a game, David. And especially now where, like you said, there's going to be more for him to do here. And, yeah, he could look at this and say, you know what? Now's my opportunity to go out and just grab that MVP trophy. I want to go win another one. And you know what? I think he could probably do it anyway without having to play so many minutes and, and kind of carry this burden the way he has so far. You know, it's hard to gauge where where he kind of fits into this. Like, how much does he d- dictate how how many minutes he plays per game? Because he absolutely should be willing to kind of take a step back. But if he's really intent on collecting more personal hardware and ultimately not really sacrificing team success, I mean, even though he can still be the team's MVP, the league's MVP, they can still continue to win a lot of games because of their depth and overall talent. But now comes the interesting part. This is a crux for the season and for him personally, where he has to determine whether or not he's willing to take that step back. And I, and I agree with you 100%. I was, that was my next point. I was going to say he, he should start considering sitting out games. Like, schedule a loss. It's okay because then you can bounce back and you can still stay healthy. You can still continue to be very productive here and there and during the games that you do play. But you don't want to force anything over the next three weeks. I mean, that's a long stretch there. I don't know if he needs to start sitting out games, especially like you mentioned. They've got some big games coming up that he's not going to want to miss. But he should start dialing back the minutes, right? And wasn't this the point of going out and getting getting Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Saul and Montrezl Harrell so that you can have guys – who can carry the load a little bit more so that LeBron and Anthony Davis didn't have to do everything, we'll start letting Dennis Schroeder do more, right? He's been good for them this year. You you know, it's time to go see what if Taylor Horton Tucker can can do more uh, off the bench. And, and Kyle Kuzma, who's been playing the best basketball of his career, what can he do? You know, I think a guy like Marcus Gasol, you're lucky if you can get 18 really good minutes out of him um, on a nightly basis. Montrezl Harrell is limited defensively. And so I think with Anthony Davis gone, they're going to have a hole at center, right? I mean, he covers – they win with defense, and they, he covers up so much of, of some of the little, you know, little holes in the fence, you know? And, and if you now with him out, you know, Kuzma's been playing good defensively. Um, like I said, Marcus All is good every, you know, every two or three games for you, and Montrose Harrell is effective. He's a high-energy guy, but, again, limited, not as versatile as Anthony Davis is. So they're going to have to figure some things out defensively. But I think that there's enough of a tone already set there that they could figure that out. I'm not as worried, I think, as some other people are and, and things that I've seen today. Um, and reading what's about the take this, there? Because so. I haven't seen anything. What's the, what's the concern? Oh, it's just that Anthony Davis is one of the defensive player of the year candidates for a good reason. And without him, what do you do? Does the whole thing fall apart? Because, like I said, the Lakers win with defense. They're not a great shooting team. They're going to have to start to dial up the shooting a little bit more. Uh, they're 16th in the league right now, I think, in, in three-point shooting percentage, but they're near the bottom in, in three-pointers made. So basically the idea would be just crank <laughs> up the volume of three-point shots that you take, and maybe you start to win games that way until Anthony Davis comes back. I just don't see what's so dire about it. Like, I mean, a three-week stretch, even in a compressed season where you're playing as many games as this team is during that time period, yeah, I can understand that you could take a couple steps back, but is that – do you look at this team, and even if they slip to fourth in the Western Conference standing, goes, oh, well, that's the end of their season. They don't get, quote-unquote, home court advantage when we don't even know what the playoff structure might be. There might be a repeat of the bubble. I, I mean, it just feels so premature to kind of just worry about the state of this team. Yeah, I'm and not, yeah there I don't are think it's concerns. too much. It's, 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 to me, it's the larger issue is, again, do you, do you is this now the, the, the flashbulb moment where you say, all right, 
let's not let's not go so hard at the start of the season. We were just we had the shortest offseason ever recorded. You know, it, it, it's time to 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 dial it back. Let's take a step yeah. back. LeBron doesn't have to be playing 38 minutes a night. Be cautious with with Anthony Davis as much as possible. Don't even think about bringing him back until after the All Star break. That this is what I think. That that's why I think it's a big deal is because now we can see this version of the Lakers that was just, you know, and, and no disrespect to the Utah Jazz who are absolutely torching the Western in the league, but the Lakers yeah. have been that team for the most part of of the season. It, that was fun. It's good. Now time to dial it back. Start playing for the playoffs. No doubt. Um, yeah, I, I just still recall all those times where LeBron, uh, you know, even in Miami and in Cleveland, where like seating didn't matter. Where you know, you had teams like the Chicago Bulls during the Big Three era in Miami, that you know he was perfectly content letting them get the one seat in the Eastern Conference because it didn't really matter to him and to the quality of that team. And maybe he's not quite secure uh, uh, regarding this team and whether or not they're able to just eliminate other opponents like that. Maybe it's the depth of quality opponents. In the Western Conference, I'm, I'm not sure, but I just it just feels like a very. Do you think that he's scared of like what team in the West do you think scares him? Is he scared of Utah even? Who are like I said, they're rolling right now. Would LeBron James truth serum? Do you think he's scared of the Jazz? I don't. I don't think he is. I don't know. No, I don't think so either. No, I mean I don't think he's scared of any team. I think this is LeBron. It, it's nobody feels quite like those opponents in Golden State over the last few years in Cleveland. So I just I don't I don't think he's actually been concerned about any opponent. I, I, honestly, I feel like he's gone into every Finals matchup. With the exception of perhaps 2011, uh, thinking that he was going to eliminate those teams, and and uh, he hasn't been as successful as he probably would have liked. But ultimately, I don't think he's actually been all that scared of the opponent or the level of quality there. Coming up, we search for landing spots for Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. But first, David, tell the fans about Rock Auto. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure pointless or intimidating questioning while the person behind a counter orders parts you're looking for on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site, and you'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact exact same parts at a chain store. RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter the phrase Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. It was reported on Monday that Blake Griffin and the Pistons are working together to find a new team for Griffin, either through a trade or a buyout. Now, Griffin has two years left on his contract. It pays him $36 million this season. He's going to make $39 million next season. And Griffin is, look, far from the player who signed that deal four years ago. Um, but that's that's probably one of the most untradeable deals in the league. I think he's still effective, but certainly not that level anymore. Uh, it feels like this is moving toward a buyout, David. And if that's the case, uh, he's going to have a lot more options than if you know some team had to cobble together $36 million worth of salary to try to trade for him. Um, what do you think is the most interesting potential landing spot? I don't think there's any potential landing spot that's interesting at all for Blake Griffin. I, I, mostly because I'm not sure what to make of Griffin. Like, I, part of me feels like that he's kind of just been 
uh, just hiding out, not really pushing himself because the Pistons suck so much and have sucked so much for over the last few years, and he just hasn't been trying ever since he traded. He was traded from Los Angeles, so it just feels like we haven't really seen whether or not Blake is capable of more. Like I just can't, I can't imagine how he's been sapped of that otherworldly athleticism so completely. Like, he's still young, and I know he's had injuries. That's not to understate how debilitating and devastating those injuries have been. But it just he is a, a shadow of the player he once was. And even the things that he could do well that don't necessarily require that level of athleticism, he just seems like he doesn't really care to do. Yeah. And so I wonder how much of this is just him playing possum and the second he joins a team, if they're legitimately contending – that maybe he can start to contribute. But then that's the other thing, too. Is is Blake at a point mentally where he can kind of take a step back and say, oh, I'm willing to be a role player. I'm willing to be a guy who comes off the bench, maybe gets a couple of DNP you know, here and there. I, I don't know. And you that's, could argue that's he sort different. of was, been, has been playing that way with the Pistons, but I don't know if it's on purpose, right? <laughs> he kind of <laughs> has been playing as a role player in Detroit. Um, look, he's only 31 years old. You mentioned he's young. It's it, it's He feels like he's Marcus Saul, right? It feels like he's 36, <laughs> pushing 37. Uh, right. And he's not. He's 31 years old. There's plenty of guys in the league who are 31 and still very effective. Now, with him, he's probably more of a stretch four at this point in his career. I don't think that he's going to okay. be able to give you uh, what you need enough defensively where you could play him realistically at the five. He's still a really good playmaker, a really great passer. He's averaging 3.9 assists per game on a team that doesn't really make that many shots. So I, I think if you put him on a team that does make more shots, he can get closer to four or five assists per game uh, and really, I think, contribute to you know a, a team that – uh, values sort of the playmaking and ball movement and stuff like that that wouldn't be asking him so much to ju- to be some sort of isolation guy for them. And it Sounds felt like you've like, got a destination in mind. I think it's the two teams you and I cover. <laughs> I, I, I know. It, when you talked about swinging the ball and ball movement, I'm thinking, he's talking about the heat. It seems so obvious to me anyway. They need a stretch four. They need they somebody do. to take over those Jay Crowder minutes. They need a big body. Blake Griffin certainly at least is that. Um if he gets a buyout and is willing to – like Miami seems like a place Blake Griffin would want to live. You could get him for the minimum, I think, if, if he's already accepting the buyout and making that money, whatever. you know, He's probably going to give up some but not all of it. Right. That makes, to me, a lot of sense. And you can – you know, they don't have Myers Leonard anymore. You, if you really were in a pinch, you could play him at the five. If you need some more bodies there, I don't think that that would be a terrible landing spot for him, nor do I think that he would be a bad uh, landing spot for Golden State either because they are, they've are they been playing without a center in their lineup for six games. No Kevon Looney, no James Wiseman. Even when those guys come back, I think Blake Griffin can still help you because they're, Marquise Chris, who is going to be a rotation guy for them at that position, is out for most of the season after breaking his leg um, four games into the year. He, they, he does a lot of those things that, you know, that they valued out of Andrew Bogut and David West and Zaza Pachulia as far as just being a high IQ basketball player who can move the ball. You can you can run offense through him out of the post. They love to do that. I think the two teams you and I cover make the most sense for Blake Griffin. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing Celtics fans probably disagree with that assessment, but I, I think you're 100% correct. Like Things are very unstable in Boston right now, and the Warriors and the Heat, along with, say, the Lakers – represent and maybe even the Raptors if you're going to throw them in there at least those four teams if you're really looking at serious competitors for Blake's talents they all have one thing in common which is championship pedigree and a proven track record of stability well and those teams those teams also the other thing that you forgot about Boston is they play in Boston (laughs) 
<laughs> and if you're Blake Griffin and you've got you get to San Francisco, Miami, or even Tampa Bay at this point, Tampa Bay, Championship City, if you get those three team those three cities or Boston, you're picking any of those three over Boston, especially given that the Celtics are they're, they're like you said, they're kind of in a mess right now. Yeah, and it was it would it be the ultimate fu to Steve Ballmer and the Los Angeles Clippers to join the Lakers instead and help them win a championship? Something he couldn't do with the Clippers. I, I wonder if that's his motivation. But yeah. I, like comedy me, clubs aren't of, open in L.A. right now, though. Is the only that's problem. right. That's right. Uh, nor in Miami. Well, at least I don't think so. I don't even know if there are comedy in clubs in Miami. Everything's open, but are there comedy clubs in Miami? I live here. I haven't been to one in decades. I don't know that they're that interesting anymore. <laughs> well, if, there, um, if, there, if there are, Blake Griffin will find them. Yeah, I guess. So those, that's the ability of those teams. That's kind of like a double-edged sword for me in that they'll keep him in line to some degree, but is he going to be willing to buy into that role? And yeah, you made that argument that maybe he's already been playing it, but what happens when he kind of just like takes a play off and Jimmy Butler has to like tear him a new one or Draymond or LeBron? Right. Those are those guys that just they're cut differently, right. and I don't know that they can afford to just kind of just roll their eyes and just chalk well, it up to Blake. Do you Blake, think Blake. It, for him, I don't think for Blake Griffin it would be a mental thing. I don't, he's never struck me as a guy who doesn't play hard it's just whether or not his body can handle that on a game-to-game night-to-night minute-to-minute basis I think would be the would be why the couldn't issue. he get along with Chris Paul of Los Angeles I know there was a lot of tension there and I wonder Chris yeah. Paul being one of those really uber intense players and people and, and I wonder why like maybe Blake just never took it quite as seriously and I wonder if he fits into that championship structure of those teams that we discussed and then there's Andre Drummond, too, who the Cavs are ready to move on from now that they've got Jarrett Allen from that Brooklyn deal. He's making $28.8 million this season. Unlike Blake Griffin, his deal expires after this season. I think that's going to make it a little bit easier to find a potential trade partner. And I think we could see something similar to the deal that Cleveland made to get him in the first place from Detroit, which was just stacking some expiring contracts together, throw in a future second-round pick, and voila, you've got, you've got yourself a new Andre Drummond, I guess. Um, the team that has been thrown out there the most are a couple teams we've already mentioned in, in regards to Blake Griffin, Toronto and Boston. To me, the Raptors don't make sense, even if they if you do. Look, Aaron Baines hasn't been a great acquisition for them. Right. Andre Drummond is still young. He fits more of, I guess, the timeline of a guy like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. If you were really inclined to get him, I, I would I would understand it from a window perspective, from a timeline perspective from Toronto, but it would also it would include having to part with um, an OJ Nunnaby or a, or a, or a, uh, a Darrell Wright or a, a Chris Boucher or something like that. Uh, or, yeah, I'm sorry, Powell, not Darrell Wright. Um, Dwight Powell. Like, that would be, to me, a little bit too much to give up if I were Toronto for a player in Andre Drummond who he puts up stats, but he's not, you know, time, he, he's the new Hassan Whiteside, right? It's just he doesn't really contribute to winning all that much. Right, and a lot of empty calories. And I should say, uh, before we continue, make sure that you're definitely listening in to Locked on Pistons and Locked on Cavs as they've got both of these players covered in, in great degrees, and, and you can find out all the nuances about what's been going on with both of those players and the teams behind the scenes. But as far as Drummond's fit, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the Celtics make sense. I just I don't know what to make of Drummond anymore either. Yeah, the empty calories is a, is a big deal for me. Like, is he just putting up stats on losing teams? Does he know? I mean, I looked it up. He's only played in a, like an eight-year career. He's only been in two playoff series, both sweeps. He's already a player that you, you worry whether or not he's going to be able to come up big in, in crucial situations. And so if you're looking – I know another team that's been linked to him is Brooklyn, and that's the one that's really fearsome for me because, like, their expectations are a title or bust given the kind of talent they acquired this season. 
And so you're going to put Drummond in that situation, a guy who doesn't have any playoff experience, who already struggles at the free throw line and has shot a career like 30% from the free throw line in the NBA playoffs and the limited exposure that he's had to them. I don't know that you want your championship hopes pinned on acquiring a player like that. And maybe he's a better option than DeAndre Jordan at this point in his career, but he's still not a perfect solution. So I don't know what I don't know what team would want to go after a player. And like I would that. I don't even know if I would go so far as to say Drummond is a better option than DeAndre Jordan. I I, I don't know if he's that's at fair that level. Yeah, yet. I mean and, he's less and, complimentary of what they do right. in Brooklyn. So yeah. Um I I think Boston makes sense only because they're not playing well. Their their center acquisition and look I don't know if it makes sense I don't know if it's gonna help them suddenly, you know ascend to the top of the Eastern Conference, just as far as where he ultimately ends up. I could see the reason why the Celtics would try to do something. They also have the Gordon Hayward trade exception, which yeah. is like $300,000 less than what they would actually have to, than what would they, they would need to absorb Drummond's full salary. But there's ways to get around that. You can flip that trade exception for another player like Otto Porter from Chicago, and then you move and then you flip Otto Porter in the second deal. Uh, to Cleveland for Andre Drummond, or you know Chicago could just do that themselves and get Andre Drummond if they they're dealing with a bunch of injuries to their front court. One idea that stuck out to me this was floated out there by Kevin Pelton for ESPN. Uh, San Antonio, Lamarcus Aldridge yeah. is not playing well. He's on an expiring contract, as is Andre Drummond. You just sort of rearrange those deck chairs. If if you're Cleveland, you could bring in Lamarcus Aldridge, veteran present presence for your young guys, etc. And then, you know, you let him walk in free agency, maybe get a future second round pick out of it, you know, sort of recoup the second rounder that you lost when you traded for Andre Drummond. And then if mm-hmm. you're San Antonio, I mean, look, what, what's what's Aldridge's long term outlook in, in with the Spurs in the first place? So, you know, you, you take a flyer on a young guy who fits, again, you know, the timeline of your other young players, take a flyer on him for half a season, see what's up. And if it doesn't work out, you let him walk and all it cost you was, you know, a second round pick in 2023 or 2024 or something like that. I like that. I'll be honest with you. I feel like, you know, the Spurs don't have the same kind of aspirations as some of those other teams. It's not, it doesn't necessarily feel like playoffs are bust for a franchise that's so well established as them. And you got a, a coach that's not playing for his, you know, his future, unlike Brad Stevens <laughs> right. in Boston, perhaps. So I, I think it's a, it makes a lot of sense. And they have Yaka Pertle already established there as their starting center. So sure. you're not, you don't, you're not like Boston where, hey, come be the savior at the position for us. Uh, where yeah, if you're more San pressure Antonio, for a guy who doesn't historically, you know, deal with pressure very well. Coming up, we break down the revised All-Star break, and if it's a good idea for the NBA. But first, David, tell them about Bet Bet BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards and TV shows and reality TV. American Idol's kicking up. You want to start betting on who's got the, the, the award in the bag? BetOnline is the place for you. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up? Jackson Gatlin here from over at Locked on Rockets. The Rockets still without Christian Wood, also missing Victor Oladipo, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker in this one. So seriously undermanned, understaffed as they uh, now collect their sixth straight loss. Unfortunately, the Rockets having not lost more than five games in a row since 2013. John Wall's uh, return to D.C. in this one, in which he had a really great first quarter, really great first half overall, really filling up the stat sheet, um, doing everything that he was supposed to do on the floor. And then in the second half, it felt like the game kind 
kind of got away from him. It felt like he was playing more to settle a score between himself and the Wizards franchise than he was really playing for the win, unfortunately. So for a full breakdown on this one and what all went happened, what went wrong, be sure to check out Locked on Rockets, your team, every single day. Pacers lose to the Bulls 120-112 to 112 in overtime. I'm Tony East here from Locked On Pacers here to break it all down. And this one is honestly pretty simple. Nate Bjorker and Pacers head coach said it after the game. He said, we miss some shots that we normally make. And sometimes it's really that simple. The Pacers defense in this game truly wasn't that bad. But on offense, they shot 27.3% uh, from three. And they shot 20 for 38 from four feet and in. They couldn't get the lid off the basket at the rim. They couldn't get a good run of threes to go. Honestly, they just couldn't make the shots they needed to make to, to separate themselves from the Bulls when they had the lead and put this game away. The Bulls were able to stay in it, hit some clutch shots, and get some timely offensive rebounds to win this one. Pacers shooting themselves in the foot with these easy misses. They can't win these games they need to win, and they, they, they really just can't build a winning streak this season. They've been really inconsistent. They've been really up and down. They need to, to get it all going. And uh, we'll cover it all on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Come check us out. Gavin Shaw with the Locked On Knicks podcast following a 123-112 victory for the New York Knicks over the Atlanta Hawks. The story in this one, Julius Randle, at least in my mind, cementing his all-star status. Randle had a near-career-high 44 points in addition to 9 boards and 5 assists, was highly efficient on the night, 14-22 from the field, 9-12 of 12 from the charity stripe, and a number you literally never would have seen from him in the past, a career-high 7 threes on 13 attempts from behind the arc, including a big one straight on over the outstretched arm of Clint Capella to essentially since the game, if that wasn't enough, he hit a baseline fadeaway as the shot clock expired the next possession, and it epitomizes the growth in Randall's game. Going into this season, he had exactly one year in his career where he had shot better than 30% from distance. This season, he's over 40%. Randall, additionally, has been highly unselfish. He scored efficiently, he scored often, but he hasn't done it selfishly. He's done it consistently within the flow of the offense. And that quality is accentuated when he gets a chance to play with the bench running a number of beautiful sets with Emmanuel quickly, with one setting up the other, and Randall continually leveraging the shooting that he gets with the bench unit. And that opportunity was opened up by Mitchell Robinson's recent injury. With the starters, Randall just rarely has that kind of space. Alfred Payton, a non-shooter. R.J. Barrett, kind of hit or miss. There's always a center around the basket. Randall's operating within a closet night in and night out. And despite that, he's continued to be highly, highly efficient. Julius Randle is an NBA All-Star. I know the East is deep. I know there are only 12 spots, as ESPN Zach Lowe likes to say. Well, Julius Randle, he's deserving of one of them. A big win for the New York Knicks. The Utah Jazz just keep winning. Their 19th win in 20 games, only the second time in franchise history this has ever taken place. And every night seems to have a different script, where the other night against Miami, the Jazz won because of defense. Today they won because of offense. A brilliant offensive performance sparked this time by Jordan Clarkson, who had 40 points, two off his career high, the most he's ever had as a Jazz player. It overcame a 42-point career high game from Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris with a big offensive game for Philadelphia, who was without Joel Embiid today as the Jazz were able to come from behind. The Sixers scored on 16 straight possessions at one point in the first quarter. The Jazz worked their way back up to a 14-point lead and were in total control for the entire second half of this game as the Sixers only had the ball once within two possessions. Jazz have now won 19 of 20. For more on the Jazz, go to Locked on Jazz on the Locked on Podcast Network. 
2020 is finally over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. Uh, the NBA is pushing forward with a scaled-down All-Star game on March 7th. It's going to feature a three-point contest and a skills challenge before the game, and then the dunk contest will be performed at halftime of the All-Star game. The league released a memo also to players with the protocols that will limit travel while they're in Atlanta, and stars such as LeBron James have already pushed back on the idea of doing the All-Star game during the pandemic period. And that was before it was revealed that they're basically doing the entire weekend in one single night. David, is this a mistake by the league? Yeah, I do think so. And I understand the rationale. It's what the whole season has been based upon, which is trying to generate some income. And it makes the league look greedy, makes Adam Silver look narrow-minded. But I understand that perspective. I think some players have already argued, look, you want to get paid, you want this league to stay afloat. It's kind of our job to bite the bullet and take the sacrifice and, and play in this if we're lucky enough to be selected because it is and still an honor and everything else. But I was also on the other side of this listening to the J.J. Reddick podcast. I'm not sure if you've heard it before. Old Man in the Three with Stephen Adams, a recent guest there. And they were just talking about something that I hadn't even considered. And this is something that I, I tend to think about a lot and still hadn't thought about, it, which is the mental toll that this season has taken on these players like the, their weird schedules of having to travel and go to your hotel room the depressing nature of not being able to even go out and I, I mean I feel like many of our listeners if not you and me can actually feel this way ourselves but imagine as an NBA player and having the world as your oyster so often throughout the course of your life and now you're kind of stuck in a bubble where you don't even get to enjoy the the better aspects of the Orlando bubble you can't even go walking around you can't feel sunshine you're basically carted from your hotel to your arena and back you don't get to enjoy anything uh, out of the ordinary you don't go for walks you have to be taking tests at all sorts of odd hours throughout the day and that's part of what disrupts your schedule so much and, and reddick was talking about is like especially for players like him and there's a lot of guys like this in the league that after losses they don't sleep and their schedule their sleep schedule has been completely disrupted by testing and if you're going to be going through that same testing and that's part of the protocols is that you have to go through that same kind of testing you and any guest family member that you want to bring with them to atlanta for the all-star weekend it's like this is your only opportunity at a break from the rigors and pressures of this season, and you're going to just shit that all away because what? Because you need to make TNT a little happier? You need to make your sponsors like Sprite happy? I don't know. That just feels like you're watering down the product, and the product happens to be human beings that have been going through quite a lot over the last year and a half. So I, I'm not sure that it's the best idea. I think it's actually a pretty terrible one. No, I hate this, and it is a reminder that – the NBA is a business, and as woke as they want to seem, and as player-friendly as they want to seem, and as much as they empower this, this idea of player empowerment, they are treating their players like nothing but a product right now because they are they are shuttling them in two days before the All-Star break, two days straight of quarantine and, and testing, and then, hey, go do this, dance, you know, in, in front of, you know, in front of us to make TNT and Turner Sports happy, and it yeah. just, it, 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 it it's sickening a little bit, honestly. And look, I understand that it's a business and you need to put this thing together and you need to put this season together. But this idea that, hey, we're, you know, we're doing this for money in the first place, so why wouldn't we do the All-Star game? Well, number one, you kind of said you weren't going to do it in the first place. And so, and so now you're backtracking on this after they kind of showed you, oh, this is how much money is available, right? It's right. the same thing that happened in December where 
Adam Silver came out and said, yeah, we're probably not going to start this thing until 2021. And then someone said, actually, we Wait can make this minute. much more yeah. money. And he was like, yeah. in fact, we are going to start this thing like a good idea. in a couple yeah. of weeks, actually. And that you read these reports. I think um, uh, The Ringer had this great piece. Paolo over at The Ringer had this great piece about what that did to the training staffs and stuff where, oh, yeah. wait, we thought we had until January, maybe even February right. to get ready to do this thing. And now you're telling right. us we've got to put all these protocols and these these methods into place. Like, this is crazy. And so now you're these players to the point of J.J. Redick uh, where, you know, you've been probably just waiting for this all-star break so long. And if you're LeBron and you're the guys that are playing the most and have the most on their shoulders, the guys who are going to be invited to this thing. And by the way, you get fined if you don't go to this thing. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that was part of it. Oh, too. It's, a, it's required. And maybe they try to waive that. But if you waive that this year, then basically you're saying, you know, we're not going to do it. So I that now that's a problem to me. And yeah, like you're these players who, that needed this break and you're not going to get that that mental break anymore. If you're LeBron, I'm sure you would have loved to just chill in your mansion in L.A. And frankly, he deserved to do that. And now he's got to go put on a show for, so that Sprite Zero can sell some ads. And you know what? If they wanted to sell ads here, we would have just taken them. And we, <laughs> yeah. you know, they didn't. We didn't need. They don't. You don't need the All Star break. I promise. We'll do it for you. So, uh, from the safety of our homes, uh, I just. I think it's a really. It's a really gross look by the league, and it's just again. It's a reminder that they could. They could pretend to be woke and player friendly and all that stuff that they want, but this is this is hypocritical to me. And they've already shown that whenever there's any kind of absence or, or, or you know, a break of some kind, like, I mean, even as it is magnified by just general American society, like the holidays or Super Bowl parties, there's almost invariably a spike among COVID cases. You really want to go into this knowing that you're already going to risk increased exposure. I, I mean, like the, the, the people that will be coming back from the all-star break and that's not just even the participants in the actual event but there's going to have players that are going to be exposed to they have all these rules that says you can't travel here and you have to go through regular testing and all that but i mean players are players just well the, like N- and the in nba society. is using this line that you you're already you're already hearing it in some of the reporting that's out there hey well you know what what would these players we're more worried about what the players would be doing during this break if they weren't in atlanta at least in atlanta right. we could we could see them and and control them and all these things and where, you know, if they're in their own home markets, there's no telling. Okay. I mean, that to, that to me is not an excuse. They're, they're, they're in places all the time. They exist in this world. They're in places during the season. They're traveling from hotels to hotels. I mean, it's going to happen anyway. I get that. That's 40 but, of 500 players, too. Like, it's, you're monitoring, like, a very small fraction. Right. Maybe, yeah, they'll be safer than the general, can, you know, group. But <laughs> you're still going to be traveling together, going in buses, showering together, doing everything else. It's just... I don't know. It just feels ridiculous. It's like, well, you could be safe here, but as long as you're on the court, that's all that really matters. That's, I don't know. I don't get it. I think a lot of people will hear this and just say, you know what? They're getting paid millions of dollars. Yeah, a lot of people are yeah, going through a lot answer. more and all that stuff. And, like, I understand that, and I and we're going to get pushed back because and whatever. Like, this is really hard what they're doing. And you and I are – we talk to these guys every single day. I don't care how much money you're making. This is hard what they are doing, you know, having to travel under these circumstances and these conditions. Nobody else is doing this. Nobody else in the country is doing what it is that they are doing. And, yeah, they get paid millions of dollars. But you know what? It's still really hard for them. And, and I think that the NBA uh, owed them that break. They promised them that break. And now they're, not, and then, now they're backtracking on that promise and they're not giving them that break. But that will be a break for us. That will do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts. 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.